Hello and welcome to Movement is Life, a podcast brought to you by Intelligent Health. In today's episode, we have a compilation of previous episodes in celebration of National Fitness Day, featuring snippets of conversations from This Girl Can and UK Active, Rounders England, Open Minds Active and the NHS, Paths for All and the FA. We ask why movement matters to them and how do they keep active? Did you know that National Fitness Day is a chance to highlight the role physical activity plays across the UK? Fitness helps to unite us all, impacting both our physical, mental and social well-being. There really is something for everyone, no matter your experience or fitness levels. If you are interested in finding out more about previous episodes, then please check out our bio below for more information. Remember, if you have any questions, comments about today's episode, or simply want to get in touch with us, then please email podcast at intelligenthealth.co.uk. That's podcast at intelligenthealth.co.uk. First of all, I wondered, how do you keep active? (laughs) I swim. Like, people laugh at me. They're like, really? I'm in the water probably four times a week, but I actually swim for myself. So I probably, um, I I swim three times a week just by myself, Uh, not outdoors because you never swim outdoors by yourself. Yeah, that's how I completely switch off. So I, as I sort of alluded to earlier, I love walking, uh, even if it's literally just around the block, you know, sort of along, along the streets, but particularly getting into green spaces is is lovely. I play tennis very badly and I've got a, a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. I try and chase them around and, uh, you know, keep up with them as best I can. So that's, that's how I, I stay physically active. And I was just thinking as well, my main activity at the moment is a very, very non-audition dance group, that which um, is now called Rainbow Nation, was called Gay Men's Dance Company. So you can tell by its genesis of a name that I walk into a room and I'm one of two or three women there with a load of, of, of men um, who have had so many of the same barriers that we've had in going to that as well. And so there's so much been really interesting for me seeing what's in common and some of their experiences growing up as well. And I was just thinking about, yeah, I was just actually thinking about how long it is it's been in a, an exercise room where it's been more women than men. It's been a very long time. I need to try it again. <laughs> quite fabulous though. So in sporting, but way before this girl can was even a twinkle in anyone's eye was uh, I went to my local running track because we'd signed a classic pub conversation let's do a charity run. 10k never run before went to my running track and got shouted at by the running club because it was their club night and they booked it out and instead of saying to me as I now know either run on the outside so you're not in a way of our time trials or come back on a Thursday when we have beginners or whatever 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 there's so many ways they just made me feel small and stupid and back on the netball court which I was my nemesis sport at school and it's not for me and it's just that way of doing it and so I still got that in my head about running groups and I know and I've spoken to um, all sorts of running groups and you know people like this and everything that it's not like that and they have their trained runners and I have done a few park runs and I know from park run when I go there when I get myself up in the morning on a Saturday um, that you don't feel like you're the one holding everyone up at the back but I still have that fear of it that everyone's going to be, oh, could have been home by now okay if it wasn't for you and I still have that in my head so I have to manage that yeah I'm exactly the same I'm you know I am not a great runner um, if I run it's because it's convenient it's you know easy to quickly get out the door and do it but I've never been to a park run and they are very clearly very inclusive but I've always been that that worried about oh I won't be able to keep up or what if I'm the only one walking even though I know damn well that lots of people go there and walk but it's just that it's that personal confidence thing and I think we can as a sector and these community groups they're amazing and 
you know, we can do so much, but it's also, sadly, it does come down to that personal confidence. So it's about inspiring and empowering. And I think something to, that Kate touched on earlier, it's about seeing people that look like you, that you kind of relate to really well to kind of go, actually, if she can do it, I can do it. And that's the thing is, if we who live who work in this sector and who live in peace, this messaging, if, we're, if we have moments of struggling yeah. with it, then what must it be like if you're you know the further removed you are from it yeah. it's um that's okay and the other thing I tell myself is this isn't school I'm not back on that netball court though so I did say just before lockdown that I was going to try back to netball to get over this so, and I apologize to netball because I know they wouldn't teach it the way it was taught to me at school in the 70s but you can leave you're not going to get detention you're not going to get told off if you really hate it just go it's fine I did it in a Zumba class once because my head just wasn't in the space it was too dancey despite getting performance that dance class would be great now I wouldn't I'm still it was too fast and I'm a northern Girl, my hips don't do that. I just couldn't do it. And it was just stressing me out. And I just left. And I said, that's okay. No one came running after me. It, but it took a lot for me to leave. But actually, it's a message for me. If you really hate it, just leave. It's fine. It's like knowing as well that there isn't that kind of consequence of getting yeah. in trouble or because you just assume that like, yeah. oh, you couldn't leave a class or things like that when it's perfectly fine if it's not for you and there could be something else out there. And I think that's one thing that's... that needs to be explored more is you can try all different kinds of things and seven things might not be for you, but you might then just find that one thing that really clicks and that's what you do and you kind of stick with yeah, it. It's really important. I think it's, it is about trying it trying different things and finding what works for you and you know you could try all types of group exercise classes and then be like actually no that turning up and doing my own workout with you know my headphones and my music on the gym floor is exactly what is for me or getting out and walking on the street and I think that's it it's that ensuring people have positive experiences so that even though that activity is not right for them they still have a good experience that they feel like they can go back and that for me personally I think that is the key absolutely Hattie completely it's I remember again back to the beginning days we're talking about when it comes to this is a really stereotyped example but I think it's true so bear with but when it comes to clothes shopping we all kind of know the shops that suit our style our body shape our attitude our age maybe though you're never too old to wear anything you want to and we kind of know and we're quite good most of us at being discerning shoppers and it's trying to get that so that if you go to a class that isn't right for you for whatever reason the activity the teacher the setting whatever you don't say oh well that's because people like me aren't supposed to do this or aren't supposed to be sporty aren't supposed to be active say you know what that doesn't work for me but something else could and so having that level of confidence but yeah coming back to the sector what they could do it's about that isn't it I think yeah that's the takeaway I think from this and I think as well kind of changing that perception and that confidence how you spoke about going to that running club and the way they spoke to you and I'm sure pretty much every woman listening to this has had a similar experience at some point in their life so it's kind of like looking past that in a sense and seeing that was a bad experience but I'm sure there are a lot of other good ones out there that are waiting for me and are ready to go kind of thing and seeing past that kind of hiccup in a sense and moving on yeah absolutely and funny enough I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine um the other day who was talking about those experiences and uh, I actually said to her have you ever been to a restaurant and had a really bad experience and a bad meal and she was like well yeah of course I have and I was like but did you go to another restaurant and eat out again and she was like well yeah and I was like that is it that's what you've got to remember that was there go somewhere else it's not going to be exactly the same so I think that's yeah it's really hard it's hard but that's the kind of frame of reference that you have to try and remember actually that's much better than my clothes shopping I'm going to steal that one next time yes and far less stereotypical as well so yeah yeah but yeah it's that 
reflecting on what International Women's Day is this year, it's kind of like break the bias and what you're saying there about seeing women in all different kind of shapes of sport is a really keen and important thing. And also finding what works for them sport wise and exercise wise and why they're actually doing it. It doesn't necessarily have to be just about losing weight. It can be about mindfulness and so many other things as well, which are just as important, if not sometimes more important in some circumstances. Emotional felt benefits, absolutely. How does it make you feel? And I think it it can absolutely support all of them. I think it was Catelyn Moran, and I possibly misquote this, but quite a few years ago, I think she wrote that um, we should treat our bodies like we treat our dogs. If you have a dog, you know that it needs exercise every day for it to be happy and healthy. And that if we could have the same mentality for bodies and so, you know, just get them, so whether it's going out for that walk or whatever it is, but just having that, she says it much more eloquently than that. I think I've paraphrased it very badly, but I think there's something which, take, again, takes that pressure and judgment off. You don't have to be pushing for PBs all the time. If that's what floats your boat and that's what gets you out there, that's fantastic and I'm not knocking it. But you don't have to. It can just be a half hour work. And I'm, it's quite, you think working on this campaign, that I would never forget that, but I do. And to be totally honest with you, I'm in a bit of a, a lull at the moment of it feeling really hard to do that. And actually, even just talking about this now, thinking, you know, at lunchtime, I'm going to make myself go out for half an hour's walk. And I know it will make me feel better, but it's really yeah. easy to forget. Is it terrifying? we call it gymnasia it's terrifying how quickly we forget and how many I've done this so many times I will start a new classes or routine or regime or something regime's a horrible word but um oh my gosh I feel so much better I will never ever ever forget this again and then life gets in the way and we stop and then it becomes really really hard to start again because that self-judgment comes in about oh I always I never stick to it I'm rubbish I just can't do it and this whole this might just be me this is turning into my therapy session (laughs) so (laughs) but you know but uh, I just and I forget and that actually it's really really hard to start again and that would be another, I guess, takeaway from this as well is just start, take the pressure off, just start. And you never, ever, and I know this is absolutely classic Instagram inspo, but you never, ever, ever regret taking that step out of the front door. Go for 10 minutes. If you hate it, come home. Chances are you won't. But if you hate it, you can come home and that's fine. But at least you got out. And I think, yeah, I'm giving myself a talk to you now. I might do that. Yeah. I will not I might I will this girl can I will yeah. do that lunchtime today exactly commit to it and you'll be there yeah. even if it's a minute like yeah. I think that's better than anything yeah. like. we have got so hung up haven't we um, I think over the years with how many minutes and what's the difference between moderately intense and uh, what's the other one very rigorously intense and 150 minutes a week in 5 by 30 and I've been working in Sport England for a long time and so I remember when I first joined which was in 2004 by then at that stage the CMO uh, Chief Medical Officer guidelines were 5 by 30 and that absolutely blew my mind because the idea of, of having to get out for at least 35, 30 minutes a day, that was, I, I, and I couldn't do it. I could get 250 minutes in a week, but not 30 minutes a day most day. And it just became a real barrier because mm. it gets to that. Well, if I can't do that, what's the point? Which is ridiculous. But at the end of the day, anything is better than nothing and it's never too late. Something's better than nothing. So I just think like something is better than nothing. I have a favourite walk uh, and uh, just on my doorstep, uh, Bethany, and it leads into a little track just between the houses and then you open out into a nice sort of uh, open grass area in the field and then we connect down through a bit of uh, scrub uh, oak woodland and it takes me into a little patch of uh, ancient woodland and it's got amazing wildflowers there and just now we've got the bluebells coming up I don't know if anyone's had the chance to see them recently but fantastic that cover on the forest floor and just those wildflowers coming through so within that short five minute walk and I live in a very busy built up urban area it's uh, part of Lanarkshire it's an area called Wishaw so it's not an affluent uh, area 
but there's these little uh, nuggets everywhere in, in, in Scotland and across the UK, these green spaces which are right on our doorstep. And if we spend the five or the 10 minutes walking there, it's really taking us to a special place. Uh, and when I was out there yesterday, I heard the woodpecker, I seen the bluebells and actually just the smells and the sounds. Uh, and for me, that walk, having that on my doorstep and knowing that I can do that at lunchtime, for me, that's one of the really, you know, things I'm grateful for and things that have really helped me to stay mentally and physically healthy over the last two years living with the pandemic. And I think probably just an extension of what Kevin said, really, because it's when you get to know your local area really well each year, you see the same flowers coming up, you hear the same bird song, you start to get in almost that connection with the seasons and the rhythm of the seasons. And you can only do that, really, if you know a place really well, same place. So it's great going off traveling. And I love traveling and love going off. But sometimes when you go back and you think, oh, look, there the wooden enemies have just come up. You know, the bluebells have just come up, celandine be coming along, and the woodpecker we've just said. So we get, so clearly Scotland and England are aligned with the bluebells and the woodpecker because that's exactly what we've got at the moment from <laughs> one end. Of, I'm down in Reading and you're up in Scotland. So, um, yeah, the greatest sort of woodpecker is drumming. And I only found out the other day that it's, they're not drumming to get food, they're drumming to te- state their territory. Oh. And it's amazing the mating call so it's nothing to do with food they're just saying well i'm here get off but just to hear that in the woods <laughs> going through and that's what you start to pick up when you're quiet and you're silent and you go for the walk and you don't have to go out for long you go out for 10 minutes so from a physical activity point you've broken up the sedentary behavior which we know is so so important so you may not have got yourself out of breath you may not have gone for a long walk but you've already got that mindfulness and you've got that breaking up the sedentary behavior you can perhaps do a bit of a faster walk longer walk at another time but any tiny, tiny walk when you're outdoors is beneficial because that's what we're designed to do. And that's how we're, we're built. Our bodies are, are craving for that kind of thing. What we don't like is sitting down for six hours when we're looking at a screen all the time. So the walking I do is sometimes not very far at all, but just to hear those things, see those plants, listen to what's going on, notice the air getting really just a little bit warmer with the sun, you know, all of those things are just things that you notice. And that really is what mindfulness is. It's, it's noticing those small things at the present rather than worrying about the future or regretting a past or all the other things that we have in our mind, the million things we have to do. You're just taking that little snapshot. And I think yeah, any, and you don't have to have a big bit of green space to do that. You can be in the middle of a city and still have a tree or something where you can get that, that same feeling. And one of the things I love, William, is when you come across something and, you know, you don't know what it is. So there's a little wildflower that I came across the other day and I have no idea what type of wildflower it is. But that's given me a challenge. I'm thinking I, I need to try and look at how do I identify that and who could I speak to who maybe knows locally who's lived here for longer than I have. Yeah, and that is the sort of little pleasures that we get during our walks, those unexpected things that we come across and we find sometimes. Uh, and for everybody, I suppose, you know, reflecting back on Mental Health Awareness Week, Again, just the role that walking can play in terms of restoring men, you know, restoring ourselves from mental fatigue, from stress and anxiety, and also knowing that it helps to reduce our blood pressure. It helps in terms of you know some of these chemicals in our brain, our serotonin, some of our other uh, feel-good chemicals that actually when we're physically active and we come back in, we've got the physical and mental you know restoration that we need to help us. Uh, you know, to live healthy and to flourish. 
So for more people, I think, for me, I would end by saying, you know, the science is really strengthening and growing all the time around this and the importance of us being physically active, but also the importance of us spending time in nature. Uh, and we can combine both uh, as we walk and as we, you know, are physically active in the outdoors. And I think that's one really great thing as well that's come out of the pandemic, how you both have kind of touched upon those local areas you can go and explore. And I think because people were locked inside for so long and you're allowed to go out for maybe an hour for a walk, you were able to reconnect with your community, with that social aspect, nature, get out there and really kind of appreciate what kinds of things are on your doorstep. And like you say, every year with the changing of the seasons, you'll you'll see the bluebells or you'll see the daffodils and things that you can really think, oh, I know that's coming soon. And that's always really nice to see and things like that, which I think kind of helps ground you in a time when things are so uncertain and kind of changing constantly it's nice to have oh I could just pop out for a walk for 10 minutes and that will like recenter you back for your day and you can move on with things you know we see it as a real such a dedicated uh, you know bunch of colleagues here at Pastoral who see it as a vocation and and walking for for many of us is our mission because we benefit ourselves directly and we know how much it can improve our health and well-being And do you think being kind of active outdoors can help you overcome like particular challenges within your life? And to kind of follow that question, what do you think the benefits are of like incorporating nature within your kind of daily routine? For me, walking in particular is just a, is just a fantastic release. I think there's something about the, the rhythm of walking. It gives my um, mind a chance to, to sort of clear, I think, the subconscious a chance to, to process things. And then just the sheer beauty of, of, of what's around is, is amazing as well. And uh, I even like going for a walk just around, you know, the houses where even there's something even nice about that. But particularly getting into woodland, I think woodland and, and rivers and coastal walks are the ones that really do it for me. And I don't know, there's even just some, there's even just a smell in the air when you're in those spaces that just is is different from being inside, isn't there? So for me, I, I, I don't know exactly on all levels it works, but I just always feel better when I've been out for a walk and when I come back. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't have a particularly quiet mind. I'm always thinking of things and um, and doing a million things at, at once. So when I'm outside, particularly swimming outside, I find that it's meditative and I'm absolutely rubbish at meditation and I really want to get better at it, but I'm not very good at being mindful, even though I work with lots of people about being mindful in nature. But there's something about being in nature and about being in the water, particularly, especially when it's colder, that you have to be present and you can't think of anything else but what you're doing in that moment and you have to take in everything around you so I think the the whole element of being outside being in water being in completely immersed in the environment helps people generally just switch off from the busyness of everyday life and why is movement so important within your life movement I think like I said to you before that motion releases emotion so I think it helps us process, you know, you can do be in a really bad mood and then move, do something and you can feel much better. And it's instant. It's quite instant, even more so if you do it with somebody else. I think then that really, really helps. Yeah, I think it's the fact that it's also not very expensive. You know, going for a walk doesn't cost anything. Going for a wild swim doesn't cost anything other than, you know, maybe sharing a car with someone to get there. Motion release emotion. 
I, I enjoy it on different levels. So there's definitely the sort of unwinding, processing, which again, particularly the walking. When I walk, I like walking on my own. Actually, well, I like walking with other people, but I, this, I also particularly like walking on my own because I, 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 something's happening with me. My my mind and everything is is processing and working things through. But I think the other thing is, I mean, I'm of a certain age now, but actually, play is something that I I, I still think we should try and hold on to as long as we can in our lives. And as I say, I've got a ten year old and a seven year old, and so just playing with them is really great fun and just the sort of sheer joy of physical movement and doing something but even when I play my really low standard tennis on a on a Monday night every now and then I hit a decent shot and you know then there's the sort of camaraderie and the, I don't know it's just there's just something about it when when you have those moments and when you know every now and then you hit a decent shot and other people acknowledge it and you feel good for that moment and all that sort of stuff it's there's something just really nice about that so I think physical activity works on all sorts of different levels doesn't it and you know that, that there's some of the ones that works for me. A brother that's 11 years older than me and he was BMX racing when I was born so I pretty much was born onto a bike and didn't want any stabilizers or the little wheels as I used to say to my dad like I don't want those little wheels on no one else has got them on and so I was racing when I was two and a half and my little boy's four and he can't ride a bike yet he's still on his kind of balance bike but I think I raced for about 13 years and just being around that environment and I think I've always enjoyed sport yes I would, that was my sport when I was growing up and we did it at a competitive level but I also played netball I'd play in all the school teams and I think whether it's an individual sport like BMX I was already part of a club I was still part of a team so even though I was racing individually that sense of belonging and that camaraderie that you get kind of with people that have got you know similar interests and that you're, you're with week in week out is really important for me as well as kind of the mental health sides of what you're doing around physical activity and from a, a social perspective. I think I grew up with people that were like-minded, so I wasn't hanging about on a street corner on a Friday night because I was training or I was, you know, kind of playing rounders or playing netball or doing something, which was really enjoyable, but kind of keeping us out of trouble as well as kind of a young person growing up. As I've got older and kind of continued with physical activity and, and now my kind of physical activity now that I've got two young kids a lot of it has to revolve around what they're doing and their clubs and everything else but I'll do a, a workout in the morning at home or I'll go for a run twice a week with a friend um, and that's kind of our social time as well so we're not there to set any personal bets or anything like that you know we'll go out and we'll do 45 minutes at like quarter past six in the morning twice a week and um, before the kids are up and we've got to kind of get them sorted for the day but just it gives you that kind of you time as well and sets you up for the day and yeah just all the mental benef benefits that come with it and from my children's perspective like they haven't really got a choice but to go and try all the different, different activities that were going come on let's go and try this let's try that and um, but I can see it in my daughter now because she's getting that little bit older you know she's just trying out lots of different things and she goes to gymnastics she does football she does dancing she does swimming um, and eventually she'll choose one that she wants to kind of focus on and maybe do competitively but the others it's more about she's got some brilliant friends that are from outside of her own school so that when she does eventually go to high school she's probably going to have loads of friends there already that have come from all different schools and it's we did a little football tournament with them a few weeks ago and yes they played five matches but if I asked her what the best bit of the day was it was rolling down a hill sideways with another 10 teammates in between the matches getting full of grass <laughs> running around like 
they weren't on their iPads or anything like that for the day. It was just genuinely kind of being outside in the fresh air, having loads of fun with the friends. And football was almost like secondary to that. Yeah, for us as a family, that will never change. And I've probably spent my personal career trying to kind of include other people in that and and try and get people as excited as they can around physical activity as well. Yeah, I think it, it certainly helps. I think obviously it's it, it's probably probably for me personally, it's the single biggest constant throughout the whole of my life that I think I can always kind of hook to in every every part of my life, you know. So I think it definitely for everybody, you know, is a is a massive help in terms of either, like you say, kind of the release of natural endorphins to help, especially mental health. Bit of a no-brainer for me that it, it does does help socially, mentally, physically. And like I said, it's kind of formed the the foundation of the constant in, in my life and that obviously is the, probably the reason why it is so important mm. and that it's just part of our everyday life and I think it's one of those things that I'm not as active at the moment I'd like to be and my excuse is young children but I think the activities is it's just in a different way and for me and my family it's probably the thing that we do together all the time so um, it's definitely me personally has helped me overcome many many challenges I think throughout throughout all of my life. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say that um, being active is a fundamentally important part of, of my life, which makes me happy, but also it's what I've been able to be lucky enough to have a career in as well. And as I was thinking about this, thinking, you know, I've got really strong memories of a child sort of rolling down a hill, getting really dizzy and just really enjoying it and just thinking, I love this sort of feeling that I've got, I've got this body and it moves and not knowing anything about sort of the science behind it. I've played lots of sports, but also I'm, I've always loved walking and I found that especially in COVID or as my children are going through their teenagers, actually being able to go for a really long walk in a weekend with them. They download all of their whatever's happening in school, whatever's whatever's going on. We plan what's going. It's really given us a, sort of a vehicle to connect and, and be together. And so it's kind of, you know, kind of instinctively that movement's important and being active is important. And I think it's only really when I started working at Intelligent House sort of eight years ago and read all the stuff and listened to Dr. William Bird speaking, I kind of understood sort of the real sort of functional importance of it and what impact it has especially on your mental health but I knew that kind of instinctively I just didn't know the the detail but yeah I think it's vitally important for me but it's I've also been lucky enough to have a career in it uh, as well as enjoy doing some things and I wondered could both of you maybe recall a particular personal experience you've maybe had within sport or something that really kind of stands out within your life so far so it could be something from your childhood or kind of more of a recent memory kind of how Catherine you were just talking about walking and COVID and things like that. Is there something that really stands out in your mind to you? There's something that really stands out to me. I think like Catherine said, I think as a child, I I do remember just constantly being active. My life was spent on my bike or whatever bike you could find. I lived in a neighbourhood where there was just bikes everywhere and there was kids and you just picked up a bike and you, and you rode around. And, and I always remember making ramps on my garden with, for, my, for my BMX, you know, a piece of wood and some bricks. And that feeling of like kind of riding and then jumping through the air on my bike and what have you, just everything, you know, when you really reflect, it's it's, it's all been centred around sport and physical activity. I was a typical girl in the 80s, uh, growing up in the early 80s, uh, who played football, um, which was a bit bizarre at that time. 
And um, I was at primary school and I played for the boys, a boys football team, Preston North End boys football team, because it was the only team for me to play for. And I remember in school, we were split between boys and girls games for PE at that time. And we had to play skittleball, which I didn't really like. It was just like a bit of a skittle version of netball. And that was in the playground. And then the playground next to us, which is the boys playground, they played football. And I remember being like really jealous of what, and wanting to play football. So and my mum and dad were really, I was very lucky they were, very supportive about whatever I wanted to do. And they wrote into school because I said, oh, in PE, I want to play football with the boys. So my parents wrote into school and asked if in PE I could play football. And I remember them, my parents getting summoned in front of the head teacher in the head teacher's office. And I was sat at the back as my parents received a roasting from my head teacher saying, you know, it was disgusting that they were encouraging their daughter to play a boys game. And I remember, I can distinctly remember sitting at the back on a little chair thinking, for one, I felt really guilty because my parents were getting told off (laughs) about something I'd asked them to do. And two, I remember thinking, this is really unfair. And it's not until, like Catherine said, I've been lucky enough to have a career in sport. And it's only really when you reflect on that, I think that early experience really did shape and drive me Mm. in in my job and in how I develop sport and, and the things that I'm passionate about. And like I said, at the time, you don't really realise that's having such an impact on you. But yeah, not a, not a great experience, but one that one that has really shaped me, I think, that, that I always kind of think about. Because all experiences kind of shape you, whether they're good or bad. And that obviously then led to you having that drive to pursue it even more so, which is a really yeah. good thing in a sense, not that you should have experienced that, but yeah. that you actually yeah. still went for it. Yeah. And thankfully, obviously, things are slightly different now. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Catherine? Yeah, there's so many. It's, it's interesting. I suppose it, similar to um, Natalie, my experience of going into sport was, again, I played football. I played lots of sport in primary school. We were a tiny um, year group. We only had nine kids. So there were four boys and five girls. So we played everything. The boys played netball. The girls played football. It just wasn't even a, an issue. And we got thumped by everyone because they were all the bigger primary schools but we were in it together and so I remember desperately wanting some football boots and my granddad buying them and my granddad was an all-Ireland champion of Gaelic football in 1939 so he was my real sporting hero so for him to buy my football boots was like this amazing thing and I really thought I was going to go on and play for England I didn't obviously realise there wasn't one or I presumed I could play for the one England team as it was at the moment rather than an England men's and an England women's association And then when I went to secondary, I was banned and I just couldn't understand it. The people who'd been my friends in primary school didn't want to play with me, the boys anymore, because the other boys laughed at them for playing with me. So the first thing I did when I went to uni was join the football team and I became the coach of the second and played for the first. And my entire university career was really dominated by playing football, whether it was for the hall or or for the team. And I so enjoyed it. It was such a brilliant experience being part of it. And I think that has driven and when I was looking what to do at the end of my degree it was like well really I only really want to be involved in football (laughs) I'd done a philosophy degree but I didn't I liked it it was fascinating but it wasn't wasn't what I loved and so I just thought well I want to work in women's football I just didn't realize that it hadn't actually been taken over by the FA then I I knew nothing about it but as soon as I was lucky enough to get in again similar to Natalie it's just really driven me those experiences of being told I couldn't do something that I loved for no reason other than my gender 
just seems so fundamentally wrong to me that all the things that I've been lucky enough to work on, trying to tackle that inequality in things is really personal. You can really feel it. And obviously the other areas where I don't know so much about personally, I can still understand that feeling of fairness and unfairness that really sticks sticks with you and knowing how much pleasure you can get out of it and how that really has to be available to everybody really sticks in my head. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, so I suppose that's kind of the background of my passion in it. And when you were playing at uni, was it a mixed team or was it just like women and men's? I did everything. I played for a five-a-side mixed team where there, if you had a girl in your team, you got an extra goal. So um, so I was quite popular for that. And then the, the, the way I played for the women's teams as well. I didn't have much time to study, to be honest, because I really did want to play football all the time. And I actually had an opportunity to go and work in, go and study in Greece for six months in the second year. And I turned it down because I just had too much football on. And I realised that what I wanted to do was play football. And so the opportunity to go to Greece was unbelievably exciting. But fundamentally, I wanted to be on a pitch. And I'm really lucky I started playing again. And I can't quite believe how much pleasure it gives me. There's just something happens when I've got a ball. I'm not very good but it just makes me feel really really happy so it's like that is really important I'll play for anybody basically (laughs) it's nice that you've had that constant in your life as well and that arc from when you were younger in your school days and then the challenges you had at secondary school and then going to uni and then kind of coming back to it a bit later in life like it's kind of been a constant thing but obviously has kind of shifted throughout your life which is quite a nice thing really it has but it's changed and I think watching my daughter now who plays the opportunities are totally different and I feel really proud to have been a small part in helping make that happen because I've kind of dipped in and out there's you know 15 years where I probably had very little playing I was involved from sort of a, from working but not from playing so I think and that easy to fall out of as, as it was then because the infrastructure just wasn't there I think there's been a huge change in the last 25 years that will hopefully mean that someone starting their sport now can stick into it if you're if you're a girl and, and enjoy it. Is there anything else you'd kind of like to add into the conversation at all that we've been having? We all need to stop overthinking it, both as organisations and as individuals, I think. It's just moving and it's just encouraging people to move. And yes, there's layers within that, and but it's just moving. And I think let's not overthink it. Let's just think of the ways we can make it easier for ourselves and easier for the women whose needs we're trying to serve. 100%. I think it's moving in a way that suits you. And if that's at home, in your kitchen, to begin with, dancing to the radio, and then that builds your confidence to then step outside the door and try something, then that's absolutely fine. It's just about, yeah, keep moving, keep spot on. Thank you so much for listening to Intelligent Health's podcast, Movement is Life. And a big thank you to all of the guests that have featured today, from This Girl Gahan and UK Active, Rounders England, Open Minds Active and the NHS, Paths Through and the FA. We would love to know, why does movement matter to you? How do you keep active? Or has this episode inspired you to try something again? We hope you've enjoyed National Fitness Day. Remember, you can listen to previous episodes of the podcast and make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. As always, if you have any questions, then please email us at podcast at intelligenthealth.co.uk. Our next episode features the CEO of Hempicked and we will be discussing menopause and exercise. Before you go, please leave us a rating and a review and make sure you share this episode with your friends.